Today is a big day in the NFL world. We had a shell shock and surprise uh, earlier today. Yeah, man. I mean, I I kind of expected this to come at some point. Uh, kind of actually expected it to come closer to the draft. But yeah, man, break the news for us. What's going on? So, you know, if you guys have been following from the get-go, uh, earlier, you know, maybe two, three months ago, we were discussing trade possibilities for Baker. Right. Today, Baker Mayfield was traded to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he was traded out of the AFC North to the NFC South. Yep. He's going to be joining a whole new cast of characters. Um, that includes DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Terrace Marshall. Robbie Anderson, if he stays. Robbie Anderson is in shambles right now, bro. Facts. He is not happy. But I want to get to talking about, I mean, how does that affect the people in Carolina? How does that affect those positional players? Duga, how does that affect someone like DJ Moore? So, dude, right now it's kind of up in the air, I think. I mean, as far as, like, if it's going to be an increase in production or not. I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, he has to go into Carolina, and he actually has to win the job. I mean, Sam Darnold is there, and yep. obviously we all know Sam Darnold isn't, like, the best quarterback. I guess we could obviously just be real about it. But Baker Mayfield, I mean, throughout the years, I can't say he is a huge, I, I would say, upgrade. I mean, like, he is something. He's he's up, better than Sam Darnold. He's a slight upgrade for sure. But as far as, like, getting down to the nitty-gritty of it, I don't know if it's going to make DJ Moore get 300 more yards a year or anything like that. I guess mm-hmm. from, that's where I'm getting at. Like, I don't think, like, Do you, yeah, I don't think he's going to be, like, as, uh... Let me ask you this. Sure. Let me ask you this. So, do you think that DJ Moore sees higher quality targets from Baker as opposed to what he got last year from Darnold? I mean, probably uh, some more, uh, definitely. But as okay. far as, like, the quantity, I mean, it's. I feel like it's going to be kind of like... A run-heavy offense? Yeah, well, it's going to be a run-heavy offense for sure. But I just think, like, when you look at their stats between Baker and Sam Darnold, uh, so Baker last year for the Browns, Obviously, he was hurt, everything like that. He ended up 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. And Sam Darnold, who was on this offense before, and obviously if they're trading for him, they want some sort of change. But his stats last year, he had 9 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. That's really bad. So, yeah, it's not great. So, obviously, they need a change. But I think, I honestly, I think that offense is kind of just in shambles. I think the Matt Rule experiment should be over by now. Honestly, I think that offense is kind of just in shambles. I think the Matt Rule experiment should be over by now. And the fact that they're giving them another year in that organization, to me, is kind of ludicrous. Didn't he get a really big deal? Uh, Matt Rule did out of Baylor, yeah, when he, uh, yeah, he was the coach at Baylor, and somehow he got, like, this massive deal because they thought he was going to be an offensive genius, and we've seen how that's been the last two years. It's been unreal. So last year, Baker Mayfield didn't have the greatest season with the Browns. No. He was, he got injured really early in the season. He was thrown with a damn near, uh, injured or broken shoulder, and last year he threw for about, like you said, 3,000 yards. 17 tutties, 13 picks. So those are not impressive numbers, and I understand that. And if that's what you're thinking, then, you know, more power to you. Um, You are a reasonable person for for being there. But the year before, Baker Mayfield threw for 26 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. That's better than a 3-to-1 ratio, about 3,500 yards. And he's stepping into a Panther offense that has weapons such as a DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore probably sees a slight uptick in production as opposed to what he did in 2021 with Sam Darnold and the whole carousel of uh, quarterbacks. 
But I think that DJ Moore is somebody who is kind of in that prime age. Um, he is, I don't know, he's been in the offense now for about, he's going into his fifth season. And last year, you look at his stats, I mean, the man had 93 caches, 1,100 yards. You know, he only had four touchdowns. Right. But, I mean, when you talk about targets, he's seen more than 100 targets for the last three years in a row. I believe that Baker Mayfield is just going to come in and kind of get his best guy going. Yeah, and I don't doubt that at all. My biggest thing, though, is, like, Baker's had, like, these high-key targets before. Like, he had uh, OBJ last mm-hmm. year or the last two years. He had mm-hmm. uh, Jarvis Landry as well. Like, he's had some reputable yeah. names to throw to. It's not like he hasn't had a good system in Cleveland. He also had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb to save his ass in the backfield as well. What I do like about him going to the Panthers is that Cleveland had always established a run-heavy approach. Sure. So Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, uh, they always kind of were a run-first team. Yep. And so the Panthers are going to be more the same, but maybe not as lenient on the run. And they're going to be in situations where they're playing Tom Brady, they're playing the Saints. Um, you know, they're going to be in these close-knit games in which they're going to have to air the ball out you know, maybe 20, 25 times a game, right? Mm-hmm. The thing about DJ Moore that I like a lot is he was wide receiver 18 last year with Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. I think that with the slight upgrade at quarterback, I know Baker is not Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. I could see DJ Moore taking that leap from maybe the 18th best receiver to maybe the 12th, maybe 10th through 12th best receiver. I mean, that's... It's possible, man. I just don't know if I see a, a huge increase like that. I'd probably say more so like top 15, like 14, 15 rather than 10 or 12. I just, yeah. I mean, obviously those are going to be razor thin margins anyways, mm-hmm. but regardless, I just think that he's, I don't know if he's going to be as productive as, or I don't know if he's going to see the increase in production as people might think from a trade like this, just because, I mean... He is going to be more accurate and stuff like that. I don't think he's going to make uh, some of the bonehead mistakes that Sam Darnold does. But at the same time, Baker does make some stupid-ass decisions out there. Yeah. And for that reason, I just don't have all the the trust in him, at least right now going into a new system. How do you think this affects Christian McCaffrey? Well, I mean, he's going to see his touches for sure. And if there's one thing that we know from Baker, he does know how to hit a dump off. Like, he did that with David Njoku. He did that with... Kareem uh, Hunt. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. So, like, he knows how to dump off the ball when he's in pressure. Like, that's one thing that I think he does better than Sam Darnold is, you know, Mm -hmm. just eluding the pressure and, you know, not fucking up as much. Yeah, for sure. And I think that um, Mayfield's basically in his last year. After this, he's bound for a new contract, right? Right. So, he's essentially in a contract year going to the Panthers. I think that Christian McCaffrey, uh, I like a lot. He's somebody in fantasy I'd like to get in the first round. However, I'm not so confident I would take him with the first pick. But Christian McCaffrey, realistically, I don't think he's going to get that workload he got in 2019. uh, The last time that, you know, he was fully healthy for a season. Mm -hmm. I think that they're going to take it easy with him. I think they have a really large financial investment tied to Christian McCaffrey. And he can still give you production without receiving 100% of the carries. So I think that Matt Rule is going to find a way to get him the ball. I think that this helps Christian McCaffrey in terms of passing upside. I think Baker's going to throw him a lot of balls. Right. And I think that uh, Christian McCaffrey... I think this is one of those situations to where 
I believe the backup running back gets a little bit more of a boost than Christian McCaffrey solely does. Which right now is Chuba Hubbard, right? I believe it's Deontay Foreman. Okay. I think Deontay Foreman uh, went to... Is going to be the two there? It's between him and Chuba. But the thing is, whoever's that downhill running back is also going to get play just because of Baker's limits, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that with Nick Chubb and uh, Cleveland for the entire time that Baker was there. Uh, Baker played in that De- in a couple of Dearness Johnson games where he was one of those downhill runners. And uh, I think that whoever is going to be that downhill runner for the Carolina Panthers, so I don't assume it to be Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. I think he sees a little bit fewer carries. But when you're talking about uh, Deontay Foreman, uh, Chuba, you know, whoever wins that number two role, I think they get a larger boost than Christian McCaffrey does. Okay. If we want to talk about fantasy production. Okay. No, I feel that. I mean, I think he's, as far as, like, what we're used to, I think he's going to see a slight decrease for sure. I don't think that's out of the ordinary, though, especially coming off of two injuries. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, we are talking about this, like, before the show. We brought up Clay Thompson, how he kind of has to go through the same shit. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, he just, he he was great. Like, don't get us wrong. He went out and he won a championship. But by no means do I think the Panthers are going to do that. But I just think, like, he can come back and, you know, it's just, like, it's just going to take a little bit to get his grasp back to get 100% ready. Yeah. I think that we, we also talked about this, but in the first month of the season, that's going to be a great time to trade for Christian McCaffrey if you want Trish, Christian McCaffrey. The reason... I guess we say that or I say that is because of the fact that Christian McCaffrey is not going to see the same amount of carries that he did in 2019. Mm-hmm. My man has played less than maybe 13 games over the last two two years. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see the number two back in Carolina get a lot more reps than uh, we're presuming, you know, in the middle of July. Mm-hmm. I really do think that we see a little bit more of a timeshare. Do I think Christian McCaffrey gets the majority of the snaps? Sure. But do I think that I see a snap count drop into somewhere maybe 60 to 65% as opposed to 85, 90%? I think it's a little bit more possible, man. I feel um, like I feel like he's still going to be around 75, man. I think right mm-hmm. now, I think obviously right now he's like around like 90 to 85. I think he's probably just going to go down to 75. I don't think it's going to be as big as a cut as we think. Yeah. But I just think he, yeah, he's not going to see as many. Well, and I don't mean to cut you off, but one thing I'm also interested to see with uh, Christian McCaffrey is how do those goal line carries work out? Because are you going to play CMC down the middle in the red zone? Yeah, because you paid those guys so much money, you have to. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe I'm just overthinking it a little bit, but I, I think these are also reasonable questions that CMC owners should be asking themselves. Um, there's another person in Carolina, the last person that we think is uh, you know, is relevant and is affected by this trade, but we had the rookie last year, Terrace Marshall. Right. Uh, he didn't have a great rookie year. It was actually pretty, it was pretty bad. Yeah, pretty pathetic. My man got a new quarterback now with Baker. He's apparently having a pretty good training camp from uh, the rumblings we hear in the news. Mm-hmm. How do you think this affects Terrace Marshall? Um, I think he's going to see a little bit of an increase in production. Mm-hmm. I think just getting into that second year, getting that off season, everything like that, I think that he's just going to he, – he'll see more than what he did this past year for sure. And, I mean, being stuffed down in a depth chart like with Robbie Anderson who – I think last year was relied upon more than what he should have been. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and just being tied to stuff like that, I think, hurts his production and his development a little bit. But going to this next season, I think he, he's probably going to be the three on a team, and he's probably going to be probably a more productive three than what we're thinking. You think Robbie Anderson's the two next year? Yeah, I think as as long as he stays on the team, like we're all like predicting he he's contemplating <laughs> retirement, which I doubt is going to happen. But you know, it's a funny story to talk about. But I think those are probably going to be their three going into it. And I think Terrence Marshall, as long as he can just you know get that chemistry with Baker that he had with fucking Joey B and all that stuff throughout the years where he was supposed to be like a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Like, Terrence Marshall should be good. Like, he has the body to do it. He mm. has speed. I don't know what his issue is, whether it's just him just not seeing his targets out there mm-hmm. or if it's, you know, his coach is not trusting him. But I think he has the ability to be out there doing it. It's just to what level he, he has to figure out himself. You know, Terrence Marshall is one of those people, I don't know what to expect from him. Right. He caught 17 passes on 30 targets last year in 2021. Not a great club. My man played in 13 games. He had a total of 24 fantasy points in 13 games. So he's averaging about 1.3. 1.3 or 1.4 points a game. Yeah. I think that it's hard for him not to take a leap no matter who the quarterback is. But I think that uh, Baker Mayfield coming in, being unbiased, just we're all human we all saw the shit that robbie anderson said about baker mayfield on twitter right i think baker's someone who would remember that and i mean it'll be copacetic it'll be cool they'll be civil but i mean i think baker is already in terrace marshall's you know corner hoping that he can be somebody special that he can rely on mm-hmm. um because of not only Robbie's situation, but my man wants to have weapons. And so I say all that to say that Terrace Marshall is a great buy right now. I don't know if he's going to come in and be uh, anything crazy. Mm-hmm. I see him being like a wide receiver four, maybe a low end three if he if if things kind of go his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'd be a lot more comfortable with predicting Terrace Marshall to be a wide receiver one, two or three. After seeing what he does this year. Because right now, for comparison, I kind of see him as like a Jalen Rager. Yeah. He kind of gives me Jalen Rager vibes. But I don't think that it's fair to judge anyone by what they do in their first year in a company, industry, let alone, you know, NFL football. So For sure. I I, I think he's cool. Buy him low if you want to. Uh, but I think that we'll both say that he's probably due for a little bit of an uptick compared to... Compared to last year. Yeah, definitely, man. So, I mean, like, in redraft, if he's available, I guess right now I'm not sure exactly where his ADP is. But, I mean, if you want to take a flyer on a guy and, like, if he's available in, like, the ninth, 10th, something like that, like, I thought this guy could be a possibility for you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it, it's going to take a little bit of time to research it a little bit, just what ha- what happens in their training camp, everything like that, before the season, before you draft. Just because you want to make sure that they do have some sort of connection. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, if it looks like, oh, Terrence Marshall's still fucking up in practice, then, you know, maybe it is a guy you want to skip over. So I would just check that before you draft if this is someone you're looking into because it's something I'm looking into. Like I said, guys, just do a little little Google search before you draft because it matters a lot. Yeah, it's tough out here. 
And so that's kind of just our recap. We spent 16 minutes on the Panthers on the Baker Mayfield trade. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, there's another quarterback actually within that division that I wanted to talk about. Oh, who's that? Uh, Jameis Winston, Saints quarterback. My man is, uh, you know, coming off of a coming off of an injury. Mm-hmm. He's stepping into a receiving core that added Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry. Facts and a potential healthy Michael Thomas. Keep in mind that none of those three receivers were on the Saints last year. Right, that's kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna have Michael Thomas, great receiver. Jarvis Landry, great receiver. Chris Olave, great receiver. Right. And my man is just gonna be chucking the ball. We've seen Jameis Winston ceiling uh, when he threw for 5,000 yards. And my man produced productive fantasy receivers uh, in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he can do the same thing for the Saints? Yeah, I think uh, I think Winston can definitely lead this team to be a productive offense. I think what we've seen throughout the years, he has an arm. He's not afraid to throw the ball wherever the hell he wants to try to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that one thing that people are still underestimating is the fact that this guy got LASIK. Mm. Like, this guy, when we saw him on the wow. Buccaneers, like, he had that 30-30 season. And obviously, a lot of that stuff, I think, might have came from just his his talent and, honestly, a little bit of luck. But that's obviously where those interceptions came in, too. And I think... Him learning a year under Breeze and then going in and trying to do the thing himself. I I thought it was commendable. I mean, it looked like he definitely learned a lot. And against the Packers last year, dude, he fucking ripped us apart. Of course. And, I mean, our defense wasn't terrible last year. Like, we had an off game for sure. But, nonetheless, he ripped us apart. And it was crazy. Yeah, it was. So, I don't know, man. I think Jameson Winston right now... He definitely could be a top 10 quarterback this year, man. I I have all the faith in the world in this guy. I mean, my biggest thing right now is just with the coaching change. He's not going to have Sean Payton there. Maybe he was the mastermind to all that offense, which he definitely was. Yeah. So it's going to be a weird transition, but I think whatever happens, I think think he's still going to be a good, viable quarterback going into this year. And those three receivers... Uh, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and Jarvis Landry. I think all three of those guys are going to be viable fantasy assets as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. Jameis Winston had a really interesting year last year because unlike 2019, where he threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, he only threw three interceptions last year. Right. Now, granted, he only played in about eight games. Before he tore his ACL, right? Essentially, yeah. So, my man went... For something, I think it was like 14 touchdowns, uh, three picks. Yeah, dude. And that's a really good ratio. But there are some variables that have changed. So they don't have Sean Payton right. coaching anymore. And now it's Dennis Allen. Right. That means I'd assume the offense changes a little bit. He has completely new weapons. Though, theoretically, they're going to be better weapons. Um, you know, you still got to establish chemistry to, 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 to get to where you're trying to go. For sure. And I mean... It's not like he's had like a great like uh, chemistry with Michael Thomas, even with the two years he's been there, because... Uh, MT hasn't I, really played. Yeah, he's been milking all that injury for sure, man. And So, and that's not to even throw in the fact that Alvin Kamara might not be available for the first half of the season. Right. Like, what? who's a better safety net than Alvin Kamara? 
for yeah, a quarterback. Like, you know? I can't name one, and yeah, he's he's not going to be there, like you said, for he, the first couple games. My man made Drew Brees look crazy when Drew Brees was, you know, towards the tail end of his career. Right. And so, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of wait and see. I like Jameis. I think he's going to air the ball out a lot, yeah. uh, especially while Kamara's out because we know he's going to be out. And another thing about the Alvin Kamara situation is that if he is found guilty in court, he has his hearing, I believe, like the first week of August. Something like that. The Saints could very well put him on, like, paid leave just for PR. Right. Like, you don't want a guy who was found guilty of a potential felony or even a misdemeanor with, you know, the lights as bright as they are. You don't want that guy, like, on the field representing your team. Like, you want to promote a good message, a good well, culture. Well, I, I, I can't say that any team really thinks like that anymore, dude. Like, the Browns are about to put out Deshaun Watson if he wasn't, you know, like, if if anything were to go to the point where he gets zero yep. suspension, like, the Browns would put him out day one and they wouldn't give a fuck at all about... The Browns aren't a family-owned organization. Yes, they are. No, they're not. The Saints are a family-owned organization. The Browns, Jimmy Haslam bought the organization, I don't know, however many years ago, but it's not like something that's kept in the family, similar to, like, let's say the Lakers. You know what I mean? Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the morale at the top of the chains could be a little different than it is. I don't think at all. Once you're paying people millions of dollars to play a fucking sport, I don't, I think morality kind of goes through the window and you want to just win as many games as possible. Teams aren't going to be punishing their own players like that, dude. The league does that. If anything, they'll give them some sort of monetary penalty, but they need their ass out there to win games for them. That's why they pay them. I don't agree with that. I think some teams will and some teams won't. Okay. I I don't know. I think you're just kind of involved in the PC culture too much to kind of have it. I don't know. Like I just feel like... But that's the culture. That's the culture that makes money is perception by your audience. I... I think NFL teams could give two shits about that. Like, you saw once the NFL, you know, said, hey, like, this COVID shit, like, you guys don't have to do these restrictions anymore. All the teams said perfect because none of them wanted to do that shit in the first place. I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like you have a perception of the NFL that everyone wants to look extremely good in image when what they really want is their players to be out on the field and teams aren't going to hold their own players back. Like, that's just not shit that we see happen anymore, man. I disagree. Okay, give me give me an example of one that's happened, then. What do you mean? There's plenty of players who have done fuck shit and aren't in the league. Look at Ray Rice. Look at Darius Geis. Look at um, Colin Kaepernick to the eyes of the NFL owners. Like, bro, like, if you do something dumb, if you do something that bring bad PR, when there's a video of you doing said acts, like, bro, like, the video for the Alvin Kamara situation has not been released, but it has been claimed by the police department, by the hotel where it happened, and all these other resources that it exists, but it's not going to come out until the case is actually over, right? They're not going to release shit like that before they go to trial and come up with a verdict. So there's a video of Alvin Kamara and his homies apparently breaking some dude's eye socket, bro. Like, regardless of why it happened, it happened, and it's on video, and that dude is selling jerseys for your franchise. Yep. You could put him on paid leave if he's found guilty until the NFL indicts a suspension. He serves a suspension, and then he can come back and play. But, I I mean, is it possible? Of course. We see fuck shit happen from organizations all the time. But, theoretically, in the eyes of what would be considered, I guess, uh, you know, maybe positive, good marketing for a team, 
you're not going to go after the guys like a Deshaun Watson. You're not going to go after the guys who do crazy shit and get caught. Like, what's the standard you're setting for not only the organization, but for the city? You represent more than just a business. You represent the city of New Orleans, right? And I bring it back to the point that I said about Gail Benson, the owner for the Saints. So, like, she's the wife of... Um, her husband used to own the team, and he passed away in 2018. And so Gail is taking it over, and, you know, she's in charge of shit. And I just think that regardless of how productive a player is, I think that you want to show not only your organization, but you want to show your fan base that no one player defines you. You want to show everyone that the internal culture here is so strong that we don't rely on one guy, right? Like, we never want to hold someone up that high or we won't ever want to put a crown on someone's head that large so i just think that if kamara is found guilty when he has his trial in august if the nfl doesn't come down with the verdict immediately i could see him being on paid leave for the first couple of weeks until he gets a ruling yeah i just i don't put it past any sort of organization or corporation like this to not necessarily wipe it under the table because I mean, it's going to come out like they have a jury or they have a uh, hearing for this. But I just don't think that they would pursue anything like that. Like, I just don't put it past them to just say, hey, like, you did what you did. And, I mean, I think the only way that he doesn't see the field week one is with an NFL suspension. Mm-hmm. I don't think the team is going to punish him like that. I really don't. Yeah. I guess the only thing we can do really is... uh. We're going to have to wait till the ruling comes out, and then we'll see what happens from there. But um, I guess kind of coming off of the Saints, there was another topic that I felt like, you know, we should cover, we should talk about. And uh, the topic has to do with a tight end in Baltimore. He goes by the name of Mark Andrews. So just quick projection for him going into next year. Do you think Mark Andrews is going to be the tight end one? Uh, by the end of the next year? Uh, I see him top three for sure. I don't know if I can necessarily put him at one just with, I mean, Travis Kelsey doing what he continues to do. And when you look at, I mean, there's a couple other people. One that comes to mind is Kyle Pitts. If he were to pop off and just be, like, the number one weapon in uh, Atlanta, Mm-hmm. I could possibly be, see him being in like that realm as well, but I just don't know if I see the complete production to do so. So I think Mark Andrews could definitely be a number two, but I think I, you think of George Kittle. I mean, him and Trey Lance, if he's going to be the starter, seems like they have really good connection already. So I could see George Kittle popping off again and being in one or two next year. Mm-hmm. So I, But between those three, I would say those are probably going to be my top three between Kittle uh, Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Uh-huh. And, yeah, man. So, I definitely, to answer your question, maybe not number one, but top three for sure. See, I'm... What about you, man? I'm leaning towards one. Yeah. The reason I say that is because he finished last year, if you play in, like, let's say half PPR leagues, he finished with about 257 points. So, for a tight end, that's a lot. He finished ahead of Kelsey, and he was the number one tight end last year in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking about Lamar Jackson coming back for the full year, hopefully healthy, and we're talking about them losing Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, their number one receiver. What do you think is going to happen? 
I mean, it's probably going to see a few more targets every game. That's fair, man, but you could say the same thing about Travis Kelsey and them losing Tyreek Hill. That's what I was going to say. So they lost Travis, or they lost Tyreek Hill, brought in some other guys like Juju, MVS, Sky, uh, Sky Moore, and uh, we'll see kind of what that offense, you know, will look like. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to go with Mark Andrews because I think that he has lower quality of competition. Okay. Uh, you, you're talking about Devin Duvernay potentially being the two or the three right. alongside James Proche. Right. Right, like Rashad Bateman is cool, but we haven't seen too much yet, mm-hmm. and so that's a lot less quality of competition as opposed to Juju Smith-Schuster and Sky Moore and uh, MVS. You know, for sure. So I think it'll be hard for Mark to finish any worse than he did last year, especially now that he has healthy Lamar for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's the one next year. That's fair, man, and I honest, I I can agree with your argument. I think he definitely is primed to be the one again. I just, who knows? I just, I I don't hold my breath, especially with Travis Kelsey in the league. I mean, he's always dynamic. You can't ever count him out. Travis is a beast, and he's always going to get his points too. Yeah, but I mean, Mark Andrews has been absolutely special lately. Mm -hmm. So I mean, with you having him as your one going into this next year, I mean. I don't discredit it at all. Yeah. At all, please don't get me wrong. I think the reason that's significant too is because right now, uh, as we record this in the beginning of July, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Andrews is going after Travis Kelsey in redraft leagues. Mm-hmm. So Travis Kelsey is kind of floating around, kind of where he did last year, maybe somewhere towards the end of the first. Uh, probably no, not much further than beginning of the second. Right. Now, Mark Andrews is projected a couple spots behind him in terms of ADP. Yeah. And that could be a massive steal. Obviously, like, you may be lucky enough in the second round to where Mark Andrews gets to you, and he's not going to get snapped as the number one tight end that he is. Uh, I know tight end is one of those positions we don't like to invest high capital into, but at the end of the day, catches are catches, targets are targets. Right. And uh, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, they're all going to perform better than most of the wide receiver threes shit some of the wide receiver twos that you guys are looking at mm-hmm. um so at the end of the day points are points and so mark andrews looks to be um you know a couple picks cheaper than travis kelsey yep and uh looks like somebody that could be a pretty good steal yeah man i i mean i totally agree i mm-hmm. mean other than well no i agree with the full statement like i said i just have my reservations for my reasons i i, I truly could see him being the one for sure though Yo, um, I want to ask you this question. What's up, dog? So, how long have you been playing fantasy football for? Uh, you know, on and off. I mean, like, I had, like, my first league when I was, like, I don't know. It was, like, when the Packers went to Super Bowl. So, like, in 2010, I was in my first league. Okay. Um. So, yeah. over a decade you've been playing now. I guess so. Like, it was, it was touch and go there for a bit just because, like, I was busy with school and stuff. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, but now since, like, college, like, I've been back in and shit for sure. Yeah. So, I've been playing since 2013. Yeah, man. Uh, so, we both are pretty much at a decade, damn near. Damn near, man. And uh, when it comes to fantasy, we know it's a game of luck. We know that it's one of those things that you can be strategic with. You can do all the research in the world. But uh, one bad injury or one big game uh, from a certain player mm-hmm. can kind of erase it all away. 
Tell me your worst experience in fantasy football. Well, I mean, something that really hits close to the heart was last year in our redraft league. Mm-hmm. Having the first pick, I mean, I was coming off the course. I didn't know what was really going on, but, like, in my heart, you know, who was everyone taking last year at one? Chris McCaffrey. That's who I had taken. So, at the end of the day, I think that was just some bullshit that, uh... You know, like, obviously, it it seems like it happens every year. If you draft within, like, the first top three, four, it seems like your guy's going to get hurt at some point. And, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, you'd assume that Christian McCaffrey was done with the injury bug after that Mm -hmm. injury the year prior. But, man, just goes and gets injured again. And, yeah, man, like, because of that, I, I mean, I made it into the playoffs, but I didn't. I didn't make it deep, and I I had, Which, a, I had assumed that with Christian McCaffrey, a healthy one, I could have made a, a larger uh, playoff push for sure. Yo, I'll give you props because making the playoffs without your number one overall pick is really hard to do. Facts. Because you're relying on that person to kind of, you know what I'm saying, like take you all the way. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, you don't draft again until what? End just of about the second. 27 picks later, basically. If you play in a snake league, it's end of the second. Yeah. And, um, yeah, shit, I can see why. But, yeah, man, so that was just some bullshit. I mean, that's just the most recent. Obviously, down the line, if you look at this shit, I mean, there's a lot more. But what what's good with you, bro? What what really grinded your gears to really make it the biggest piece of bullshit that you experienced in fantasy? <sighs> Story time. Story time. In 2016, I was playing in my home league, and I was playing one of my good friends, and uh, we were in the conference round for the playoffs. And it's, you know, middle of the fall uh, in Wisconsin. So we're talking end of November. Or actually, that would have been end of December, January-ish. The day goes by. I have Cam Newton in 2016, which was his, I want to say it was his MVP year. Mm-hmm. I think so. In the game, Cam Newton, my quarterback, dropped over 50 fucking points. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Dude. I got 50 points from my quarterback. That was amazing. I had Odell Beckham Jr. that year. I want to say I had Todd Gurley or someone. Yeah. But my team was stacked. And so I was playing my buddy uh, Pat. And Pat, his team wasn't as good as mine. But we ended up matching up. And Pat is, I think he had won the last two years in a row. Oh, shit. So I'm playing Pat. I'm all in. I'm talking my shit. It gets to Sunday night football. I'm up by like 50 fucking points. Let's go, dude. I'm happy as hell, bro. I'm in the living room. I'm cheesing. I'm walking around with the strut. I'm in college, so you know what I'm saying? I'm coming back from the library that Sunday with my backpack. My chin held high. I got my music on. I'm feeling good about myself. About to crack a beer. And oh, bro, you know the vibes. And then Sunday night football comes on, and Pat has David Johnson and Zach Ertz. Those are the two players playing against each other. Eagles and Cardinals. This was 2016 when the Cardinals were dank. They had John Brown on all of them. And um, Sunday Night Football comes around. And I'm up by about 50 points. I'm watching the game. And it starts going south. (laughs) David Johnson pops off for an early touchdown. Zach Ertz ends up catching, I want to say it was like a 30, 40-yard pass. Long story short, the game ends with David Johnson having about more than 35 points. Okay. And Zach Ertz had more than 20. So they had 50, 60 60 points combined. Oh, shit, dude. They kicked me out the playoffs that night. 
I never felt worse about myself as a human being. Oh, no, dude. I want to say, like, as a grown man, like, I, I, I probably just don't cry that much. Yeah. That was one of the times that I... I might have got a little... My eyes, my, yeah, a little bit. A little and uh, I've n- I'll never forget it. And that's my worst memory and fantasy because not only did it cost me a trip to the championship game, mm-hmm. uh, but it was to um, one of my homies. And as you all know, um, when your friends beat you at something, some of them won't let you forget it. Facts, dude. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, I can only imagine what that's like now. And I mean, once your homies hear this. The amount of ridicule you're gonna get from them again, I think, is gonna be kind of funny. Yeah, you know, bring up the old memories. <laughs> yeah, man, I that sucks, dude. I remember when I was in the the Shiva the first year in our in in the redraft league that we have. Um, yeah, went to the Shiva and I I unfortunately had lost. Okay, and that I felt like that was just some bullshit, just on the way that the guy who had beat me got into the championship. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately it won. I just thought that was some, oh, yeah. some bullshit. But that's for a different day, a different story, sure. a different lifetime. Take the good vibes and move on. You know, that's what we're all about. Yo, uh, thanks for tapping in. Uh, that was an episode. Uh, Baker Mayfield got traded. We are maybe, I guess, a little bit higher on Jameis Winston than the field. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, we think that despite the L's you take, Fucking get over you, pussy. Yeah, keep your head up, motherfuckers. Appreciate y'all. See y'all next week. My name is Ja. I'm Buddha. This is the Gumball Podcast. What's happening, John? Peace.